Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, today is Tuesday, uh, and I'm not saying there is going to be a fairly surprising announcement happen today, but I'm not not saying that a fairly surprising announcement is going to happen today. So just keep your ears and eyes open. We will certainly talk about any surprising theater-related announcements on tomorrow's episode, but I'm just saying there very well may or may not be one happening today. So I'm just saying, uh, I don't think it's going to happen when the moon is out. I don't think it'll happen at night. I think it'll happen during the day, but when it does, I think it'll be pretty marvelous. So if you want to hear all about that, first head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Grace, yesterday we recorded the episode just a little bit before the Olivier's got started, so we didn't have a chance to talk about all of the winners from the 2023 Olivier Awards. Those, of course, for those of you who are unfamiliar, are the London equivalents of the of the Tony Awards. Very prestigious, very exciting, all of that good stuff. So we are going to run you through all of those uh, big awards. The show was hosted by the queen. I mean, she's a goddess. There's no other way to describe her other than goddess. The stage and screen star Hannah Waddingham, a multiple Olivier Award nominee herself, an Emmy Award winner, for Ted Lasso, we also have a video in the show notes of her doing like the opening number, uh, which is always great because she's perfect in every way. Uh, but let's go through some of these winners. Grace, I'm going to start with the category Best Entertainment or Comedy Play, which was won by my neighbor Totoro, which is a show. <laughs> very excited about that one. Just for you, because I know that that is uh, a very important Thing for you. You saw it. You actually went to London specifically to see it. Uh, and you have talked about how great it is. Um, I am assuming we will get that over here sooner rather than later. So we can talk about more about that here in a second. It won a bunch of other awards that we probably won't talk about into the design categories, but it uh, definitely had a very, very good night. Moving on to some of the other shows, Best Revival, which is specifically for plays. Best Revival went to A Streetcar Named Desire. Best Musical Revival went to Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma. That is the London version of Sexy Oklahoma. The Interestingly here, Best Original Score or New Orchestrations, the nominees were Totoro, The Band's Visit, and Oklahoma. But what actually won was Richard Hawley for Music and Lyrics and Tom Deering for Orchestrations for a musical called Standing at the Sky's Edge, which we'll talk about a little bit more here in a second. Yeah. Best Actor in a Supporting Role went to Will Keane from Patriots. Best Actress in a Supporting Role, uh, Anja Vassen for A Street Called Named Desire. Um, Going down to Best Actress in a Supporting Role in a Musical went to Beverly Knight for Sylvia. Best Actor in a Supporting Role in a Musical went to Zubin Varla for Tammy Faye. They have a bunch of other things like dance productions, opera. So we're going to skip all of those. But if you want to see those, we will have the complete list in the show notes. But best actor in a musical. I love this guy. Arthur Darvel won for playing Curly in Roger Hammerstein's Oklahoma. He was the original star of DC's Legends of Tomorrow on the CW, a show that I unabashedly love. Um, Best actress in a musical went to Katie Braben for Tammy Faye. Um, going down to uh, Best Actress, Jodie Comer for Prima Facie, which obviously is getting ready to chart previews on Broadway here very, very soon. Best Actor, Paul Meskel, who is basically everywhere for A Streetcar Named Desire. Best New Play, also Prima Facie. And Best New Musical was that Standing at the Sky's Edge. Did you see Standing at the Sky's Edge when you were in London, Grace? 
No. And I really wanted to, um, I know this is like a, um, correct me if I'm wrong. This is a national theater production, correct? Yes. That's why I wondered if you saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been working on this for a while and it's really exciting. And I think a lot of people were taken aback uh, by this win, but like, yeah, national theater, like they get it. Yeah. <laughs> they get the art and they're so respected. And so um, it's no surprise to me, given what I've I've learned a little bit about the show um, that they, but a lot of people overseas were really shocked because they were not as familiar with this. And I'm like, remember guys, like this is, like the British, like this is their theater awards, not ours. So yeah. <laughs> not, well, you know, the, the U.S. version. So, yeah. So what this is, is this is a musical based on an album by Richard Hawley from 2012, same of the same name. But it begins in 1961 and tells the story of three families over 60 years um, that live in this council housing estate, which I guess is kind of like um you know, government subsidized homes uh, called Park Hill. And they use both new and existing songs from Holly. So it's not just like American Idiot where they take the album and like do a whole show around that. It's a, probably a little bit more akin to, I guess, a little bit like Jagged Little Pill, which was mostly existing songs. But Alanis wrote, I think, one new song. This is a little bit of both. So I don't know. I've never heard of Richard Holly, to be completely honest with you. So I don't know if this is something that's going to like translate to a big Broadway production, but. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I have certainly haven't heard that. But you know, this this takes place over the course of like six decades. Yeah. Um. So it's really. I think that's really fascinating in and of itself, right? Because we had, you know, um, the Lehman trilogy that took place over decades, and I think that people really are interested in stories that chronicle, uh, especially a family's life over the course of a long period of time. I think that there's kind of like a through line there, especially for the national. Yeah, absolutely. So Standing at the Sky's Edge, Newsies, uh, Oklahoma, all of these different shows performed. We have a a link to all of the video performances in the show notes. You can check that out. They actually let you watch all of the Olivier Awards on YouTube. So we have a link to that as well. Tony Awards like takes down clips like two days after the Tonys, which is absolutely obnoxious. But you can watch all of those things in the show notes. And it's always interesting because... It's not a direct line from things that do well in London, do well in New York, but usually things, you know, a few things from all the Olivier's end up here uh, in a given year or two. Not necessarily everything, but a number of them usually. So if you keep an eye on some things that had a lot of nominations that feel a little bit American friendly, that can very well be something that uh, we see here in the States soon. All right, Grace, let's get into some show and casting news that came out on two, or on Monday. Something that I have been waiting for is the complete cast announcement for the upcoming Broadway premiere of Once Upon a One More Time, directed and choreographed by Grace, our dear, dear friends, Keone and Mari Madrid, who we interviewed, gosh, I mean, a year yeah, and a half ago. Yeah, we're brunch buddies at this point. I mean, we've never met them in person. We've talked to them once, but we did interview them. Um, the musical will begin performances on Saturday, May 13th, just less than a week before I get to town. We already knew that Brigitte Heelan is playing Cinderella. Justin Guarini is playing Prince Charming. Aisha Jackson is playing Snow White. Jennifer Samard is playing the stepmother. And Adam Godley is the narrator. Joining the cast are... Brooke Dillman, who is a comedian and actress. Ryan Redman is playing stepsister Belinda. That is the Mimi Sardula role that she did out of town. Tess Soltau is playing the other stepsister. You know her from from Wicked. Also in the cast are, I don't know all of these people, so let me know if you 
know any of them, but uh, Nathan Levy, Ryan Steele, Lauren Zacharin is back having played The Little Mermaid previously. Gabrielle Beckford is playing Rapunzel. Ashley Chu is playing Sleeping Beauty. She was in K-pop, not on Broadway, but at Ars Nova. And then we have the complete list with all the ensemble members and some of the smaller featured roles in the show notes. But also, we got some other casting news that was when I told Grace about this, because she hadn't seen it yet, right before we started recording, she thought I was kidding. Or maybe she thought it was an April Fool's joke. But nonetheless, for like two and a half, three weeks, joining the Broadway company of Peter Pan Goes Wrong is Tony and Emmy Award winner Neil Patrick Harris. Why? Why not? He's going to be joining the company on Tuesday, April 11th, and we we'll in it through Sunday, April 30th. He will not be performing Friday, April 21st, or the matinee on Saturday, April 22nd. He'll be playing the role of Francis, who portrays uh, the narrator and others in Peter Pan. Um, again, a little surprising, but Neil did explain the whole thing in the press release that came out. He said, quote, I'm a massive fan of Team Mischief and physical comedy in general, so I jumped, and then parenthetically fell, at the chance to join their genius on stage. That said, the role of the narrator mostly sits in a chair and reads a book, so apparently no rehearsals are required. I guess that's fine. What could possibly go wrong? Which certainly plays um, with the uh, the whole structure of the Mischief Theater Company's productions it did say this will be the first guest star for the broadway engagement other guest stars will appear occasionally and sometimes surprisingly throughout the run so i think this is great like these shows have always been the mischief shows whether they were in new york or in london or on tv because they had a tv show uh, in london as well that's i think has had episodes available on uh, broadway hd they're just like do things differently than everybody else. So why not? I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm completely Mischief. here. I'm exactly they're compl- And I think their marketing is always great, too. So I'm very excited about uh, about what could do what could happen with this show. <laughs> I have to say one thing that is funny to me about all of this, though, is the fact that schedule permitting, we couldn't get Neil for the Into the Woods revival, but we can get him for the Peter Pan. I think it's awesome. Yeah. More fun there. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Because we, you and I saw him uh, at Encores as the baker and he couldn't do it for the Broadway run, despite like nine other people coming in and out of that show for like two weeks at a time. Uh, but nonetheless, here we are. Uh, all right. This happened like literally just a couple minutes before we started recording. So I haven't gone full in depth on this, but we did see effectively a press release come out from Actors' Equity that is threatening a strike over touring contracts. I mentioned this last week that Actors' Equity has started ramping up pressure on the Broadway League about the fact that they have been working without a new contract since the end of January, and they've been negotiating based off of uh, not only the normal things like rate, but a lot of things that have to do with the the compensation that they get for housing, the, the ways that their travel schedules and lodging have changed because of COVID, all of those kind of things. So they did put out a press release, and I'm just kind of kind of read the beginning of it. The National Council of Actors, Associ- Actors Equity Association, the governing body for the union representing 51,000 actors and stage managers working in live entertainment, has authorized Executive Director Al Vincent Jr., the union's lead negotiator, to call a strike on all Broadway League tours at a time he deems appropriate. So... Don't expect this to happen right away. In the statement, he said, quote, I'm glad that we were able to add two days of bargaining, April 11th and 12th, and I hope we can reach an agreement that averts a strike. However, if at any point they do not feel like that is happening through the normal good faith negotiations, 
Al Vincent Jr. can declare a strike. I, as somebody who doesn't live in New York and who sees a lot of shows on tour, I hope that doesn't happen, especially because I've got tickets to see Into the Woods twice in June. So don't you dare. But this is part of the collective bargaining agreement. This is this is why you have unions to be able to collectively stand up and say, this is something we need. This is something that has to happen, whether that's per diem or housing or just a general contract increase. Um, Grace, you're a lot closer to this than I am. You uh, your partner is, was yeah. on tour quite a bit in the last few years. Unite so the sure. Road has been a huge conversation among uh, everyone in the industry, to be frank with you. Um, and so, like, given there was, like, a Playbill article last week, and then there was also a Broadway World article um, talking about Unite the Road. Um, there was, like, a Playbill uh, actor uh, compensation transparency article. Yep, which we is talked challenging. about that last week, there's, too. Yeah. Exactly. So there, there's just all of these conversations, and hopefully none of these articles have undermined the negotiations that are going on, because they've, quote, been going on for two years now. Um, what's challenging about it is that they're at a stalemate in the sense of, like, when that contract ended, which was two years ago, to everyone's point, the agreement is that until they reach a new agreement, they can they they go by the previous agreement. So in what world is anyone going to negotiate for something that gives them less? This is a hypothetical in any category. I'm not talking about this particular instance. Um, but who would negotiate when you can just go by the old article uh, after it's been expired? Who, who in the right mind would do that? You know what I mean? So it's understandable that they've not reached a new agreement because they don't have to right now. Um, so I think it's it's kind of put everyone in a, in a really challenging place. And I'm very hopeful that agreement is, you know, conducted soon because at the end of the day, yeah, the these touring company, companies especially are revitalizing local communities. They were the first people to be sent out. Broadway did not come back the same way that touring came back. Um, they were put out in the road first, you know, these, these Broadway touring companies, especially in the equity ones as well. Um, so they definitely have been through the ringer and we, I would, I would hope would want to continue to, um, revitalize those, those spaces and, um, honor everyone, especially the, the cast and crews, um, being a part of it. So it's hard. It's hard. Speaking of things that are hard yesterday, it was announced that Disney is moving forward with a live action reimagining of Moana. Yes. <laughs> so like, look, I get that Disney is doing live action adaptations of everything, but Moana was in movie theaters like, I don't know, six weeks ago. I don't know if it's in 2016, but it feels like it just happened. Do we really need this? I think it's awesome. I mean, I'm biased, but I think it's awesome. Well, no, um, I love I, Moana. Don't get me wrong. It's just like it was like the, the Spring Awakening Deaf West revival that happened like less than a decade later. Like, I just feel like and to be quite frank with you, too, like bringing Frozen to Broadway that fast, like, I just don't know if that's the best business decision for this. Like, why so oh, soon? It is because of The Rock. One billion percent. That is that is the move. Yes. The Rock played Demigod Maui in the original film. He is going to do it in the live action as well. He's also going to produce it along with his ex-wife, uh, honestly, um, Danny Garcia, who is his business partner still. So like, I get that. But it just seems like. It seems soon. It seems quick to me. Uh, you know anyway. what? No, make a live action Lilo and Stitch because I want to see. Dude. You know what? That was, I will say this. That was big calf representation for me. I never saw cartoons with girls that had big calves like me. And the first time I saw Lilo and Stitch, I thought, oh, 
like Leilani or like her, her sister, like she had big calves. Lilo had big calves. Everybody like had, it was just like, Oh my God. And granted Jennifer Lopez was the voice and that's neither here nor there, but I, I really I felt seen. I want to see it again. Grace, you do realize that last week the Hollywood reporter announced who has been cast as Lilo in the live action Lilo and Stitch, right? No, what? Yes, there's a live action Lilo and Stitch. Dean Fleischer Camp, the filmmaker behind Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, is directing it. Um, it'll be a major release for Disney Plus. A newcomer named, I'm going to screw up this name, I'm sure, May I.E. Kiloha uh, has been cast, according to The Hollywood Reporter, as Lilo. So, yes, this is a real, a real thing. This was on March 31st, so this is not a April Fool's joke or anything. This is, this is legit. This has been going on for a while. Yeah. Wait. Is Tia Carrera going to be in it? She was the voice of Nani. Uh, I I don't think there's been any other casting announcements other than other than this one. I think this is the very first casting. And Disney did not confirm it, but the Hollywood Reporter did report it. I just texted you the article so you can look at it. But uh, but yeah, so exciting stuff. No, I'm freaking out. Continue. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, last little thing that I want to mention here in terms of news. It was uh, announced, uh, I think, last Friday that Samantha Macell, who I think is really, really tremendous. We'll lead a new world premiere musical called Double Helix at the Bay Street Theater. It follows kind of the race to discover like how DNA works in the 1950s. If this sounds familiar, she is playing a character named Rosalind Franklin, which is the same character that Nicole Kidman played in a play called Photograph 51 by Anna Ziegler that did really, really well in London and then was supposed to come to Broadway. And then Nicole Kidman was like, I want to stay home with my kids. I don't want to move to New York. I want to be with my family. And then so it never came. But I've seen it. I've seen a production of it. It's a really, really good show. And uh, Nicole Kidman was nominated for an Olivier for it back in 2016 as well. So this is a different show, but based on the same story, uh, Samantha Macell will play that character. Uh, it'll just run for a few weeks, beginning on May 30th, and it will run through June 18th uh, at the Bay, the Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor. All right, real quick, recommendations. I've already talked about all the Olivier Awards stuff, but we'll have that. But also, the show Shucked announced that it is getting ready to release a cast album on May 5th, and they released a new official music video for Independently Owned, which is a song from the show, uh, sung by Alex Newell. You've got some videos from the recording studio and some from the actual show itself. Uh, really good sneak peek into that show, which I am very, very much looking forward to seeing next month. All right, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Grace, if you have picked your chin up off the floor over the Lilo and Stitch news, where can people find you on social media? You can find me all over social at It's Grace Aki. And I want to end with this because it's not a recommendation, but this is just me popping in. Okay. I was so fortunate, so, so, so fortunate to see Moulin Rouge with one of my best growl pals who is from Australia. Baz Luhrmann's her favorite film director. She was literally not seeing Moulin Rouge for the longest time because she was so nervous it would ruin the film for her. Like, like she was like, oh, I just don't think that they can do it. And now she was finally like, Ugh, this is my dream. And was able to make it happen, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody that helped make that happen. But I just want to say, if you have a chance to see Ashley before she leaves us the team. Ashley Loren, yeah. Ashley Loren, who um, is currently in the role um, alongside Aaron Tveit. Holy crap. Like, so also the Duke, I believe his name is David. Um, Never have I loved the Duke. I was like, sir, when are you coming back? Um, 
only girl in the world was like the hottest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, I definitely have a type. Um, this is bad. Uh, but it was it was really phenomenal. It was really phenomenal. So if you were like, I'm holding out for JoJo, definitely go see JoJo when she goes in. But starting um, next Tuesday. You, starting next Tuesday. But if you have time this week and you have the means, um, it's really just it was phenomenal. So just want to shout that out. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Tuesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.